at Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And really we're asking the question, how, how can we experience life in color in the midst of hard times? And you see, so far in his letter, in chapters 1 and 2, Paul has been trying to help us to get hold of of our identity, to get hold of a, a sense of who we are in Jesus and all of the amazing blessings that Jesus has for us, that in Jesus we're chosen and accepted, that we become children of God, part of God's family, that in, in Jesus we are forgiven and we're made new and we have a whole new hope and life in him, that in, in Jesus we're secure and have an assurance about our future that we can look forward to, that in Jesus we, we're filled with the power of the Spirit to enable us to walk through life and to be able to experience his victory in our lives. Paul has been amazingly positive about all that Jesus has done for us and all that we have in him. And as we come to Ephesians chapter 3 then, Paul is about to pray for them. And I don't think, it's the sense I get as he writes his letter is this isn't something he planned to talk about. He planned to pray for them. And he writes as he introduces this prayer and he says this in verse 1. He says, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. And then do you see that dash there? It's like he's about to go into this prayer which continues in verse 14. But he breaks off mid-sentence because he thinks, hang on a second. I've just told... And written about all of the blessings we have in Jesus, all of the good things we have in Jesus, all of the different things about how we can walk in victory and we're overcomers because of Jesus, how we're seated in heavenly places with Jesus. And now I'm telling them I'm in prison. How do they make sense of that? How are they going to make the sense of my suffering? How are they going to make sense of the hard times they go through in life? And so Paul, it's like he breaks off mid-sentence, mid-thought. He doesn't go on to the prayer he was about to pray because he thinks, i got to deal with this. i got to help them to understand how they can experience life in color in the midst of hard times. And so this is what Paul writes in Ephesians 3, verses 2 to 13. He says, Surely... You have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promises in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. 
according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. And so Paul starts and by saying that he's a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And then he goes off on this kind of long aside. And he finishes by saying, as a result of what I've just said in this kind of aside, don't be discouraged because of my suffering for you. Don't let your problems take your focus off of Jesus. Now, let's be honest. When I read through those verses and you read them up there, the reasons you had for not being discouraged in the midst of your sufferings were about as clear as mud, weren't they? You, you read that and you listened to that and you thought, what on earth has this got to do? How does this help me in hard times? But Paul knows what he's talking about. He is no stranger to hard times and no stranger to suffering. He knows all about life being hard and not going as we hope it will. You know, the fact that he's in prison now is just the, the tip of the iceberg. He, you can read about it in Corinthians where he, he tells us about how he's received the, uh, the 39 lashes the kind of most horrific torture across his back that would have traumatized him, not just once, but five times. He tells us about how he's been stoned three times, how he's been beaten with rods three times. He's been shipwrecked. He tells about how he's been hungry and thirsty. He tells about how he's had sleepless nights. He tells us about how he's had seasons in life where the Christians don't trust him because he used to persecute them. And the Jews, his old people, they reject him and want nothing to do with him. He knows what it is to go through hard times. And he knows the questions it forces us to ask. He's wrestled through it all himself. And so he wants to help the Ephesians and he wants to help us to not lose heart and to know how to walk through difficult times. And I love the fact that the Bible is so honest with us about this. That it's not just moments like this where, where Paul writes, but actually right through the Bible, it's honest about the hard times in life. There are 150 Psalms and a third of them are lament, are people crying out to God and expressing themselves in the midst of pain and grief. All of the Old Testament prophets, apart from one, lament. They cry out to God. Because they're hurting. And they don't understand. The Bible is honest and real with us about suffering and difficulties and hard times. And so we need to be honest and we need to talk about it too. We need to learn from people like Paul. How we can experience life in color even in those seasons of life where it seems impossible. And even if you're not going through a hard time right now, I guarantee you that every single one of us in here knows someone who is. And we need to learn how to walk with others through their hard times too. 
So let's try and unpack. Let's try and look at these verses which are about as clear as mud and try and unpack what Paul is saying here and how it can help us in our hard times. And the, the first thing that I think Paul would encourage us to do when hard times hit is to remember our identity. Paul says, I might be in prison and life might be hard for you at times, but remember the mystery that I've made known to you that I've been writing about for the last two chapters. The mystery uh, that you were, who were once separated from God, who were once apart from God and outside of his blessing, are now sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. That you are chosen and accepted. That you're forgiven and redeemed. That we're not under judgment anymore for what we've done. That we're sealed and secure by God's Holy Spirit. That he's given us the power to be able to stand and to live for him in every season of life. Paul says, remember that's your identity. And then I think he models to us the kind of attitude we are to have if we want to see God at work in the midst of those hard times, helping us to live in light of those blessings. You see, God is more interested in our growth than our comfort. He's more interested in growing in us our understanding of our identity, of who we are in Jesus, of all that God has done for us. And out of that, then us trusting God and surrendering to him in a greater way. And Paul models this to us, I think, in verse 1, where he writes, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. You see, when Paul writes this letter, he's in prison, and that's a historical fact. But in the natural, the person that Paul is a prisoner of is the Roman Emperor Nero. But here Paul is saying there is a greater reality than what you see in the natural. And that is that I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ more than anybody else. I have surrendered my right to just live for myself. To fight for my rights and for my comfort. And to do what I want and to go my own way. He says, life is no longer about my goals. I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I belong to him. I yield my life to him. Whether my life is short or long or easy or hard or I'm rich or I'm poor. I yield my life to Jesus. And one of the ways that God is wanting to work in the midst of our hard times is to help us to see ourselves more clearly and to surrender to him and to trust him more fully. Now I mentioned earlier about um, how Rosie suffered a stroke 
And after that, she had a long time of wrestling and questioning when it came to her relationship with God. It forced her to look at what she put her hope in. It made her realize how much she was trying to hold on to control and to rely on herself and look to herself, particularly when it came to protecting and raising our children. You know, that she just kind of looked to herself and then asked God to help her out a little bit. And I was talking to Rosie last night and... As hard as that season was, Rosie said to me that she learned things in that season that she could never have learned otherwise. That God taught her things in that season that she could never have learned otherwise. He worked in the midst of the hard times to bring to light so many of the ways that she didn't really trust him. So many of the false foundations of the wrong things that she was hoping in. And it began a long, slow, and sometimes painful process of her learning how to surrender. Learning how to yield her family and yield her life to Jesus. To really trust him in a deeper way. And as hard and painful as that season was, God used that time to set Rosie free from anxiety. To set her free from the uh, controlling constant sense of guilt that she wasn't enough. And the things that she learned in that season are so precious to her now. That she would look back and she would say, I could never be where I am now without having walked through that hard time. God could protect us from all of the hardships and all of the difficulties of living in this fallen, broken world. He could snap his fingers and he could take us out of it and put us in heaven in an instant. But he is more interested in our growth than our comfort. The hard times we go through may be a result of this fallen, broken world. They may be a result of the foolish choices that we make ourselves sometimes. They may be a result of demonic attack. They may be a result of the evil things that other people say and do. But whatever is at the root of our hard times, God will not waste the opportunity to work in our lives for our good and for his glory. To humble us. To give us a clearer perspective of who we are and what our identity is and how much we need him to bring to light our character flaws and wrong attitudes and to grow us in trust and bring us to that place where we surrender and we yield to Jesus. And I know some of you are going through incredibly difficult times And you maybe feel like you're just barely holding on by your fingertips. And I do not want to make light of what you are going through. But what I want is for you to know that in the midst of it, God has not abandoned you. That he loves you. And that he is with you. 
and that his promises to you stand. But he does not want to waste the hard time that you are going through. He does not want to waste the opportunity to work in the midst of that, to teach you things and to grow you in ways that you can never learn otherwise. He is at work in this season for your good and for his glory. To draw you closer to him. To make you more like Jesus. To establish your identity. And so my question to you, whether you are going through a hard time or not today, is will you yield to Jesus? Will you surrender control of your life to him? Will you surrender your natural fight for your rights and your comfort and trust him? And it's not easy, but I'll tell you what, it beats bitterness. And it beats going through that suffering and wasting it and coming out the other side just as bad as you were before, if not worse. Because God is wanting to work to bring you out the other side more whole than you ever were before. He is wanting to work to bring you out the other side with a clearer sense of your identity, more secure in who you are, with a closer relationship with Him. So will you yield to Jesus? And once we've remembered our identity and we've yielded to Jesus, we've laid it down and we've said that we trust Him, the second thing that I think Paul encourages us to do to help us to live life in color in the midst of hard times is to remember our purpose. And you see, Paul doesn't just say that he's a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He says he's a prisoner of Christ Jesus for a purpose, for the sake of you Gentiles. The whole reason that Paul has been arrested and that he's in the situation that he's in is because he couldn't stop sharing about Jesus everywhere that he went and people got fed up of it. And Paul was so gripped, though, by the fact that God had a a purpose, that he didn't just live for himself, but he lived for the sake of others. That even in prison, he was aware of that. He knew that, that that was the case, and so he maximized every opportunity that he could. And what he did is he leveraged the difficult season of his life And the attention that it gained him because he was controversially imprisoned for the good of others. In order that more people would get to hear about Jesus. And you see, our our culture tells us that we first and foremost live for ourselves and for our own families. For comfort and pleasure and entertainment You know, that kind of culture, mantra of culture is you deserve to be happy. But in Jesus, we discover we have a purpose that is so much bigger than ourselves. And our purpose is so big that when we get hold of it, 
It helps us to walk through and find life in the midst of hard times. You see, if my reason for living, if my purpose is just all about me, and me being comfortable, and me being happy, and providing for my family, and all of that kind of stuff, then when life gets hard, I can't help but question everything and wonder then what's the point in living? If that's what living's all about, why should I bother continuing? I think the growth of individualism and the focus on ourselves and our own happiness is actually one of the key reasons why so many people are struggling in our society today. You see, if instead my purpose is bigger than myself, then it gives me a bigger perspective. And what we discover as followers of Jesus and as a church together is that we have a purpose, we have a reason for being beyond ourselves that is for the good of others and for the glory of God. And as God works in our lives and he blesses us in the good times and he grows us and he teaches us in the hard times, it's not only for our benefit, but it's for the sake of others as well. He blesses us and he teaches us and he grows us so that we have something of his grace, something of the hope of him to be able to share with others. So that we have something to give away. And so so here's the question for you. How can you leverage the difficult season of life that you may be going through or that you have been through in the past for the sake of others? What are the opportunities that you have in this season or because of a season that you've been through that you will never have at another time? How how is God teaching you and how can you invest what he's teaching you in others? How can you not waste what you're going through. Because you see, sometimes the most powerful ministries are born out of the most painful affliction. How can the suffering and how can your hard times be the beginning of your ministry? We have a purpose that is bigger than ourselves for the good of others. But you know, I've been so struck by one verse in what Paul writes to do with our purpose, which I think is in some ways even more amazing. And it's what Paul writes in verse 10 where he says this. He says, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. You see, we have a purpose as followers of Jesus, and even more so as a church together, to put on display something of the wisdom of God and the grace of God and the hope we have in God and the love of God and the power of God, not only to a watching world, but to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And the wisdom and the grace of God is displayed in the most powerful way during our hardest 
times. In the midst of the hard times, when you live with hope, even though it's hard. In the midst of the hard times, when you hold fast to God's promises, even though everything is saying the opposite. In the midst of the hard times, when you choose to trust him and to yield to him and to surrender to him. In the midst of the hard times, when you choose to forgive You choose to love people even when they've hurt you. You make known in those moments to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms that God's plan works. That he has won. And that he is making all things new. Some of you might have um, heard of a lady called uh, Joni Erickson Tarder. Um, whose life was changed when she dived into a lake as a teenager and she broke her neck and she became paralyzed. Um, and instead of giving up, those of you who know her story, she, she chose to leverage her difficulties, to leverage the hard times and the opportunities that that gave her that she wouldn't have otherwise for the sake of others. And she spent her life looking to bring hope to people with disabilities. But what you might not know is that her life was just as much changed by a young girl called Denise Walters, who she shared a hospital room with after her accident. Denise was a 17-year-old high school cheerleader. And when one day as she was walking along, her legs gave way under her. And it began a a process of a rapidly progressive uh, weakening of her body. Two weeks later... She was paralyzed from the waist down. A couple of weeks after that, she was paralyzed from the neck down. And a short time after that, she was blind. And Joni shared a hospital room with her. And every day, Denise's mum would come in and she would read the Bible to her and pray with her and sing to her. Until one day she died. And Joni at the time, she was there and she was wondering if there really was a God and how he could let this happen, how he could allow her and, and how she could allow herself to be, to be paralyzed. What the purpose is in that. And Joni wrestled with this. And then she read Ephesians 3 verse 10. And she realized that it is in the hardest times, in that hospital room with nobody else watching, that every angel was watching Denise Walters. And every demon was watching Denise Walters. And so she wrote to Denise's mother, and this is what she said. She said, I am certain that angels and demons stood in awe as they watched the uncomplaining suffering of your daughter. The demons are wilting away as they watch God's people endure suffering with patience and trust and hope. And the angels in heaven are dancing with joy and delight as God's people live with a heart filled with hope, filled with assurance because they hold fast 
to the good news of Jesus. God is at work in the midst of the hardest of times for our good and for his glory. And for those of you who have been going through the hardest of times, maybe you've been battling with things for years, I want to say to you, well done! And do not lose heart. You have a purpose in those times that is greater than you can understand. And you have an impact on the spiritual realm as you make known the wisdom of God and the love of God and the hope that you have in God to the angels and the demons who are watching. You can't begin to imagine the significance of your faithfulness. In those times when you are crying out to God, where are you? Are your promises ever going to come to pass? Why is this happening? Remember that you have a purpose that is bigger than yourself. And that in our hardest times, we have an opportunity to put Jesus on display in a way that we could never do at any other point. Remember you are being watched not only by family and friends and neighbors and colleagues, but you are being watched by the principalities and powers You are being watched by the angels and the demons. And in it all, you have an opportunity to put God on display, to bring glory to him, to make the demons wilt and the angels cheer. And you know God is watching too. And he loves you. And he grieves with you. And he's cheering you on. And he invites you to come to him just as you are. Just briefly, the third thing that Paul wants us to remember is to remember we're accepted. Paul writes in verse 12 that we can approach God with freedom and confidence. You know, while Paul encourages us that God is at work for our good and for his glory, he knows it doesn't make it any easier. And so he wants us to know that we can come to God just as we are. With freedom and confidence. That we can be honest with him. You know, Paul is honest about his situation, isn't he? He doesn't sit there as a statement of faith saying, I'm free, I'm not in prison. He's honest about his situation. He's real about it. We can be honest with God and we can be honest with one another. Let me encourage you, be honest with your church family and be honest with God. Know that God loves you and he is with you and he is for you and know that we love you and we want to stand with you. Don't try and go it alone. Don't try and just rely on yourself. Maybe part of what God is wanting to teach you in the midst of this is simply how you can be honest with him. How you need others around you. How you can trust him. And how he wants to provide for you with people. 
You were chosen and accepted by God just as you are. And the hard times that you go through are not a sign that God has abandoned you, that he is against you, that he's crossed with you. They're not a sign that his promises aren't true. God is inviting you to come to him with freedom and with confidence. And he won't turn you away. He loves you and he cares for you and he wants to comfort you and he wants to wrap his arms around you and hold you tight. And he's just asking you to yield to him. To yield. To trust. To allow him to work in this season for your good and for his glory. And I don't have answers as to why we go through some of the stuff that we do and the difficult times that we face. And I don't have answers as to how long it's going to last and when some of these things are going to come to an end. But you know, I don't think Paul did either. I don't think he knew if or when he was ever going to get out of prison. He didn't know what the future held for him. God doesn't always give us an answer but he always gives us his presence. He promises to never leave us or forsake us. And he invites us to draw near to him with freedom and with confidence, just as we are. And so my encouragement as we we finish is Paul's encouragement to the Ephesians. Do not lose heart. Do not be discouraged by the suffering you see other people going through or going on around the world or the suffering that you might be going through yourself. Remember your identity. That you are chosen and accepted. You are loved by God. You're a child of God. And that he is at work in the midst of the hardest times to grow you in your identity. To grow you in your relationship with him. Remember your purpose. That we live for something bigger than ourselves. And that these seasons are times when we have an opportunity to put God on display in a way that we will never have at another time. We can put God on display in the most powerful way to a watching world and to the watching heavenly realms. And remember you're accepted. That God accepts you just as you are. You don't need to get whole first. You don't need to sort out your attitude problems and your questions with him before you can get close to him. He accepts you as you are. You can be honest with him and draw close to him with freedom and with confidence. So do not lose heart. God is with you. And he is for you. And he is at work for your good. And for his glory. The big question really is, will you yield to him? Will you yield to him? Will you put your trust in him and allow him control? 
And if you're here and you're not a Christian, then that means putting your trust in him for the first time and saying, Jesus, I give my life to you. And as you do, receiving his forgiveness and his acceptance and his love. And if that's something that you want to find out more about or you want to talk to someone about or that you'd simply just like to do, then come and grab me afterwards or we'll have some guys here available at the front who'd love to talk with you and pray with you. But for those of you who are followers of Jesus, will you yield? It's not just a one-off thing we do at the time we give our lives to him. It's a matter of a, a heart attitude every day of our lives in a growing and growing and deepening way. Will you come to God and be honest with him today? And hand over to him the things that you're struggling with. And once you've done that, ask God to show you how he's at work in this season. And how he can work in you and through you and use you for the good of others in this season. How he wants to grow you in this season. And how you can be used for his glory and to put him on display to make the angels cheer and the demons wilt.